Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, all right. Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me today. Glad you're listening. Happy you are here. Well, you know, the economic stupidity continues in the United States of America and in the U.S. Congress. And I thought we would profile somebody to do today who I think is one of the leading people who spreads bad economic information, and that is Robert Reich. Robert Reich is this short little man, uh, I'm sure nice, very nice little man. In fact, I've seen him interviewed, and he seems like a very nice person, actually. But his economics is awful. And we first saw Robert Reich come on the scene, at least I did, under the uh, Clinton administration. He was uh, President Clinton's labor secretary. And Robert Reich just, he doesn't understand economics, but he he has this way of speaking about it that makes him sound very, you know, he's very confident and makes him sound like he knows what he's talking about. So today he's talking about something uh, that's very, that people, most people know a lot about, and that's the minimum wage. Now, fortunately, most of you and, and me as well are not working for the minimum wage because that, that would be a disaster for most of us. But a lot of Americans do work for the minimum wage, and many of them are uh, young uh, high school people or people in high school or haven't yet graduated from high school. So I want to talk about the minimum wage, and I, and I want to use Robert Reich to, to discuss it here because this is, this is uh, the way this is uh, bantered about and uh, talked about on the left is the same way that all their economic problems are talked about or their economic solutions. And it really boils down to Democrats and people on the left, people that don't understand uh, really how the world works, they think you can just pass a law and, you know, that's all you need to do. It's magic. You know, pass a law. If Congress passes a law, then it'll just happen and there's no, there's no side effects. There's no, uh, there's no unseen that we have to worry about. And, of course, that's just not the way the real world works. And Robert Reich is a great example of this. I think it's an epidemic. I mean, I think it's something that is pervasive in government and, and more so probably on uh, the Democratic Party side. Um, anyway, I think this is a, it's entertaining. I mean, Robert Reich has always puts together these entertaining videos. So I challenge you to go out and watch it. Um, there's some graphics and stuff like that that he shows. And there is, you know, obviously there's some truthful information mixed in here uh, among his uh, uh, opinions, which are just factually incorrect. So I want to correct those. I want to comment on, on his, his technique and what he's trying to do. It's, it's the sleight of hand. And um, anyway, I think, it's a, I think it, you'll find it entertaining and informative all at the same time. If your business model depends on paying your workers starvation wages, 
you should not be in business. The federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour hasn't been raised since 2009. That's the longest period without an increase since the minimum wage was enacted. Meaning today's minimum wage is actually worth far less than it was in 2009. This is an insult to American workers and bad for our economy. It's far past time to raise the minimum wage to at least $15 an hour. So Robert Raj, he states his position right up front, um, first by telling us that the minimum wage is starvation wages. But then he basically, you know, his point is it should be raised. Now, I think it's important to say here that the, the minimum wage or wages in general in the economy are prices, okay? Just like any other price. Uh, we don't have a minimum price for bread or a maximum price for Coca-Cola or any other, you know, most other goods in the economy. Why? Because, because these prices uh, come onto the market based on the demand or the and the supply of, of the goods and services produced. Wages are no different, okay? If, if we had just a massive depression and no employers, let's say prices went way, way down, way down, uh, and no employers could hire anybody for $7.25, what would be happening? We'd all just be sitting around doing nothing. Um, I mean, wages have to float just like other prices have to float. And uh, putting a floor on wages what it does is it is it now at 725 is is pretty low okay but if you move the minimum wage to some higher price essentially what it does is it puts a floor on the value that someone has to produce in order to justify paying them okay so and you have to remember it's not just 725 it's it's 725 plus overhead and other other regulations and other costs that it costs to hire somebody so let's say that, let's just say for argument's sake, let's say that number's $10 an hour. That means that if you hire somebody, they have to provide at least $10 an hour worth of value to the business, or you can't justify hiring them. So I, what's interesting about that is look at, look at the exceptions they make for, for people that are of diminished, you know, needs, you know, special needs people. They let Kroger and places like that pay those people less than 725. Why? Because they wouldn't get hired if you if you had to pay them 725. Kroger would not be interested in hiring them. And so they make exceptions for that. So this is exactly what happens if you're someone who's low skilled in the market and you're just trying to break into the market. You have no skills and you want some employer to hire you, but you don't really know anything. You don't you've never demonstrated an ability to show up on time or to be accountable and, and reliable. And so why should a person, you know, that's an employer take a risk in his business to pay you $10 an hour, $7.25 plus whatever overhead cost? Because remember, they have to pay your Social Security, which is 7.8%, I think. And then they have to pay the, you know, to collect payroll taxes and keep documentation on you and all this stuff. So there's cost associated with having you as an employee. So if you can't if you can't generate enough value that's that's worth $10 an hour to the employer, you don't get hired. So what does this mean? This means it's very hard to enter the labor market for people that have low skills. 
This is the fundamental problem with the minimum wage. Today's federal minimum wage is a starvation wage. A full-time minimum wage worker can't afford a two-bedroom rental in any city, county, or state in the entire country. Meanwhile, billionaires like Jeff Bezos can afford a DC mansion with 25 bathrooms and five living rooms, just one of his many mansions. Now, the current minimum wage isn't so low because these workers are worth less than they were years ago. Quite the contrary. If the minimum wage had kept pace with workers' productivity increases since 1968, it would be over $22 an hour today. Even so, conservatives are out to scare you about raising the wage. Let's debunk each of their talking points. Okay, before we get to the conservatives' talking points, let's debunk some of this stuff that Robert Reich just said. Um, okay, first of all, he comes right out and says it's a starvation wage. Okay, fine. That's your opinion, but that's not a fact. Um, it's a it's a tr it's a way for unskilled workers to enter the workforce without a lot of risk on the employer's part. That's what the minimum wage is. And then he goes on to say that you know you can't live in a two bedroom apartment anywhere in America if you're living on the minimum wage. Well, look, no nobody uh, really that that I can think of. I, I think. There's very, very little evidence for this that that uh, there are people out there living on the minimum wage. In other words, they are trying to provide a house for themselves, transportation, food. That is not happening, okay? The people that are working hourly are making much more than the minimum wage. And so it's just it's it's not even um, it's not even an, a good argument to try to compare, uh, what somebody has to try to live on making the minimum wage. And that's just, that's just a, uh, it's like a false argument or straw man. It's not actually happening, and it, it never really has happened that way. Um, usually, if you're, if you're a good employee and you show up on time and you do your job, uh, even at the company that you start at, at a minimum wage, they usually raise your salary pretty quickly and, uh, and usually people don't find themselves at 25, 30, 40 years old working for the minimum wage. So that's just bogus. And then he goes on to compare it to Jeff Bezos. Well, Jeff Bezos manages a, 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 a huge company with tens of thousands of employees and, you know, which generates sales of hundreds of billions of dollars a year. I mean, you know, this is not even a I mean, again, it's all about the value. What kind of value can you create? And I, I think it's pretty easy to, to say that Jeff Bezos started with nothing with Amazon. Now, I don't think anybody needs to make $200 billion a year, but I mean, I don't decide that. And, and the reality is he's the one that created the company. And, um, you know, so he gets to make all the money. Uh, certainly that opportunity is available to anybody who's who can... Uh, managed to create that amount of value, not just for the American economy, but for the global economy. I mean, he's essentially, um, you know, competing with Walmart. And Walmart's been around for decades and has moved, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hun trillions of dollars worth of products to American consumers. So, uh, you know, this is just a stupid comparison. So let's get to those conservative myths that uh, Robert Reich wants to debunk. 
If businesses have to raise wages, they'll cut employees' hours or cut jobs altogether. Rubbish. Since at least the 1930s, critics have argued that setting any minimum standard of decency at the workplace will raise employer costs and kill jobs. Child labor laws, the 40-hour workweek, workplace safety laws. If we've learned anything over the years, it's that treating workers decently is worth the price. So raising the minimum wage uh, causes people to lose jobs. And so I would agree with that in general, um, but it matters how much you raise it, okay? Right now at $7.25, the minimum wage is far below where people are being paid. So raising the minimum wage, uh, say, to $10 an hour, probably would have little effect on people keeping their jobs. But let's say you raised it to $30 an hour. Well, then a whole lot of people are going to lose their jobs because there are numerous people that make less than $30 an hour and employers would not be able to keep them. So this is, this is not about decency, okay? This is, you know, one of the things you got to hand it to these uh, liberals is they have a kind message, okay, a friendly message. You know, they make it about decency, it's not about decency. Child labor laws, look, if you didn't have, back when children were working in the beginning part of the Industrial Revolution, if you didn't have children working, I mean, the families were star- would starve, okay? So, uh, and, and not only that, but if they weren't working in a factory, many of them would be reduced to prostitution and things like that. So, it, they're not doing it because, you know, they're being exploited. They're doing it because... Their families were so poor that they couldn't they couldn't survive without the child going to work. That's that's the real history, okay? And much of these laws, these child labor laws and stuff, came far far after uh, these practices had already stopped. So this is pretty typical of the government. The government will make something illegal or pass some sort of law once the trend is already passed. I look at poverty. Poverty was in decline year after year, decade after decade after decade. And then in the 60s, we did all these anti-poverty uh, programs, and now poverty has flatlined. It, it, it no longer started to go down in America. And so this is, this is just typical of these government types that, that want to tell you some revisionist history. And, and if you go back and you actually look at these things, what you'll find is the government hopped onto the trend long after the trend was already going in a particular direction. And maybe it went a little further, and then they took all the credit for the whole decline or something. But but uh, the, the, raising the minimum wage, getting back to that, it doesn't have anything to do with decency. It has to do with value. It has to do how much value can you create with your labor. And the reality is, the cold hard truth is, if you raise the minimum wage from $7.25 an hour to $30 an hour, a whole lot of people are going to lose their job. And, and if raising the minimum wage doesn't cause people to lose their jobs, let's raise it to $100 an hour or $200 an hour. I mean, why stop at 15 like he suggests? Well, the answer is they know that a bunch of people would lose their jobs. So uh, it's not about being decent, even though he likes to cloak himself in decency. It's about economics and it's about producing value. Besides, an abundance of research shows that increases in the minimum wage do not reduce the overall number of jobs. 
Researchers examined 138 state-level minimum wage increases and found that the number of low-wage jobs remained essentially unchanged in the five years following the increase. But workers were paid more. That's a job upgrade, not a job loss. And multiple studies have come to the same conclusion. When I led the fight to raise the minimum wage in 1996, many conservatives predicted huge job losses. Well, I'm happy to report that after the increase, almost 10 million low-wage workers received a raise with no decline in overall employment. It's simply a myth that raising the wage automatically means lost jobs. Not to mention the benefits for workers themselves. Raising the wage to $15 an hour by 2025, as proposed in the Raise the Wage Act, would give 32 million workers a raise. Here's the bottom line. If your business model depends on paying your workers starvation wages, you should not be in business. So Robert Reich does some, a little sleight of hand here, and it's, it's pretty creative. Uh, he talks about, first of all, he talks about increasing the minimum wage doesn't change the overall employment picture. Well, okay, look, when you, when you talk about changing the minimum wage, you're talking about changing employment at the margin. Okay, so economics is all about what happens at the margin. So if, if uh, for example, if the minimum wage is $7.25 and I raise it to 10 the question is, what happens to people that are just below 10 that's what I mean by at the margin. So when you when you look at when you look at overall employment and and nobody loses their job, that's because and not only that, but he moves the needle. He also talks about how the study looks looks at employment five years later and there was no overall change in employment. Well, again, it happens at the margin. So after five years goes by, yeah, the the employment picture picks back up after prices settle at higher levels and consumers become accustomed to paying those higher levels, then prices, uh, then prices uh, do reflect that. And then, and then overall employment, you know, the slack goes out of overall employment. But the problem is you, you might have put somebody out of work for six months in order to do that. And not only that, but the prices go up anyway. So the, once you raise the labor rates, the prices that consumers have to pay goes up. So those very people that are now making money, more money, have to pay more for the goods and services they, they themselves produce. So it ends up being a wash. I mean, they don't really, it doesn't really benefit them. It benefits them in a very short period of time if they keep their job and they get a raise in wages. But within six months or a year, prices catch up and now that same person that now has an increase in wages is just paying more for the things that they uh, need to buy in the economy. So, look, again, he says, if you're paying starvation wages, you shouldn't be in business. The reality is, is something like less than 3% of all employees make the minimum wage. And most of those people are teenagers, very, very young uh, just getting started in the workforce kind of people. And those people don't pay rent. They don't buy their own groceries. They're, those are not starvation wages. That's beer money, okay? Those people are earning beer money and gas money to tool around in their cars on the weekend and maybe take some girl to a movie or something. They're not living on those wages. So 
this is uh, just a bunch of, you know, it's just a bunch of sleight of hand. I mean, do you really think the kid uh, that works at the movie theater is is paying his own rent somewhere uh, or, or buying his own food? Give me a break. I mean, Robert Reich is, is doing bait and switch. This is a lot of what these guys do is they take statistics about things and then they associate them with other things. And, and it's, it's a type of sleight of hand. Uh, the reality is, is at the margin, if you're not producing the value with your labor at that wage, then you're not going to have a job doing that. Okay, that's just the reality. Myth number two, small businesses won't be able to afford a higher wage and will be put out of business. Baloney. The fact is a higher minimum wage can actually lower costs to small businesses. How? Well, for starters, a higher minimum wage attracts more potential workers into the labor force, thereby giving employers more choice of whom to hire. This leads to higher productivity and better service. Better service means more satisfied clients and customers. Higher paid workers are also more likely to stick around saving businesses the hefty costs that come with recruiting, hiring, and training new workers. A study of the San Francisco airport confirms this. Researchers found that following a wage increase, a majority of workers who received a raise improved their overall performance. The higher wages even led to shorter airport lines. Researchers also found that employee turnover declined by 34% saving an estimated $6.6 .6 million a year. Smart business owners understand this. Henry Ford, after introducing the $5 day in 1914, when typical industry wages were less than half that, called it his best cost-cutting strategy because of the productivity boost that followed. Myth number two is not even a real complaint uh, about the minimum wage. I mean, some people do say that, but it is kind of a myth. I mean, the reality is, if wages go up either through just market activity or through some artificial uh, passing of a minimum wage law, the reality is those costs are just passed on to the consumer. This is what I was talking about, that the, the person working in the movie theater who gets a raise because the minimum wage goes up, well, that person, that same person just pays more to go to the movie <laughs> because... The, the, the amount of cost then to go to the movie goes up because wages are a big component of movie theater cost or the popcorn goes up or the Cokes go up. You know, that kind of stuff goes up. Now, all these studies that he cites, look, all these studies these days are all manipulated, okay? They're all, they're all done by people that get government grants and they have to, they, they manipulate all this data, it's you don't need to measure this kind of stuff. It's just common sense. I mean, just think about yourself. You know, if you were hiring someone to mow your lawn, okay, and um, they came to you and said, "Hey, I'm gonna have to raise your price to mow the lawn." Well, what does that do? That co that costs you more money. You're the employer. Well, if you were um, if 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 you were renting that house to someone, let's say, let's say let's say you own the house and you're renting it to someone. And now it costs you more. Let's say it costs you $10 more a week to mow your yard. Well, guess what? You're going to raise rent because your costs have gone up. That's, that's all that happens. Uh, a wage is just a cost in a business, just like a cost of goods sold 
or rent or electricity or any other cost. And so as, as costs go up, those costs are passed on to the consumer so, because the, the, the business operator is trying to make a certain margin. And let's say it's 20%. Well, if his costs go up, then he raises his prices accordingly, so he still makes 20%. Uh, it doesn't matter what those costs are. He just passes them on to the person paying their way. Now, at the same time, that business owner might look to reduce costs elsewhere. For example, they might look for a different popcorn vendor, or they might look to uh, cancel their Coke contract and go with Pepsi products. Or they might turn the air conditioner up a little bit, or they might cut the cleaning contract for the bathrooms and, and employ somebody to do it themselves or there's a whole host of things that businesses might do to lower their cost but if someone imposes a minimum wage increase that cost cannot be reduced it's just what it is and so that that those costs are passed directly on to the consumer in this case buying the movie ticket myth number three if the minimum wage is raised prices for everything will skyrocket and lead to widespread inflation Wrong again. Researchers have found that for every 10% increase in the minimum wage, prices increase by less than half a percent. And it's a temporary price increase, occurring only in the month the wage hike goes into effect. No way this sparks inflation. In fact, the minimum wage needs to be raised so it can keep up with inflation. Because of inflation, Today's minimum wage is worth almost a third less than it was worth in 1968. And since it was last raised in 2009, it's lost 17% of its value. This means that compared to 2009, minimum wage workers have lost $3,950 every year. So that's why a higher minimum wage would boost economic growth. So... His The way he frames these arguments is doing a lot of the heavy lifting, right? I mean, he's using the word skyrocket. People aren't talking about, you know, skyrocketing prices when you increase the minimum wage. They're talking about costs going up and those costs being passed on to consumers. Now, that technically is not inflation. That's just costs going up and passing those costs on to consumers. So he's really talking about two different things here. Uh, inflation is a monetary phenomenon. It has to do with, uh, you know, making more of the currency, extending the monetary base. But it's interesting how he conflates the thing. So he uses, again, studies and data and all this other stuff. But I've, I've talked about this before, but if you had a, uh, an environment where the monetary base was not continuously being increased, prices would go down over time. So, when he says that inflation doesn't go up except in the first month of the rate, the wage hike, that's probably true. It, it goes up immediately because those costs are passed on to the consumer. But that's not inflation. That's not what inflation is. Now, what, where inflation does impact people that make a minimum wage is in the productivity that he talks about. And the way that is stolen is through monetary inflation. It's through the extension of the monetary base, the expansion, rather, of the monetary base. So, if there's a trillion dollars in the world and the government prints another half a trillion dollars, well, then they've just reduced the value of that initial trillion dollars by 50%. That's how, that's how inflation works. And so 
that is not caused by the raising of the minimum wage. So he's comparing apples and oranges here. And it's misleading. It sounds good. And it sounds like he's right, but he's absolutely wrong. And this is just what they do. They, they conflate these things and, and tell their happy story. But uh, there is no happy story when the government is printing money and increasing the monetary base and undermining your ability to buy the goods and services in the marketplace that you need and want. And that has nothing to do with the minimum wage increases or what he, what he calls skyrocketing prices. Okay, those are not, those are two very different things. And he conflates them conveniently to try to make a point, which is really not a good argument at all. I mean, it's just not, uh, it's not a sound argument. Uh, and so, but Robert Reich is good at this and you got to hand it to him. He tells a good story, does a good job, makes you feel good. Uh, a lot of people go to Robert Reich to, you know, he, there's a lot of confirmation bias around people that listen to Robert Reich and, uh, they just go to him to feel good about the way they already feel about the minimum wage. 70% of the economy depends on consumer spending. So more money in people's pockets means they can spend more on the goods and services that keep the economy going. Oh, and raising the minimum wage would reduce the amount of money taxpayers spend on public assistance that families need because their breadwinners don't make enough to live on. It's estimated that nearly half of federal minimum wage workers' families are enrolled in at least one safety net program, costing the public $107 billion every year. That's right. Our tax dollars are subsidizing corporations that don't pay a living wage. So just, there's more sleight of hand here, okay? It is true that more money in your pocket gives you, you personally more money to spend. But if that more money came to your pocket because there's more money circulating the economy, that does nothing for you, okay? A minute ago, he talked about in 1968, the minimum wage was this, and, and today, if, you, if it had kept up with inflation, it'd be $22 or something like that. What he's talking about there, although he's not talking about it directly, is he's talking about the devaluing of the currency. He, talk, he couches it in productivity, but productivity gains are are over and above um, uh, losses in the currency value okay so so when when we don't when somebody doesn't keep up with productivity gains that's a monetary function that's a monetary phenomenon that's why they can't keep up is because if you think about it like this think think about um, well I'll use the example I've used before in 1964 our money was made out of silver and because it was made out of silver and it was $1.25 an hour, uh, an ounce of silver was $1.25 in 1964. But an ounce of silver today is like $22, $23 an hour. So that's what he's talking about. But that's a monetary phenomenon. That doesn't have anything to do with the minimum wage per se. If anything, the minimum wage just hasn't kept up with the, with the loss of purchasing power of the currency. In fact, that would be a more honest way to, to state the problem. Uh, when you're talking about that particular problem, when he says 1968, you know, uh, the minimum wage hasn't kept up. Yeah, the, it hasn't kept up because the government keeps creating more and more money circulating the economy, which undermines uh, the ability for that person who's using their labor in the economy 
to have that labor keep up with productivity. That's essentially what's happening. But he's not talking about it in an honest way. He's talking about it in a dishonest way. Because what they know is if they can raise the minimum wage, a whole bunch of people that either know somebody that works for the minimum wage or works for the minimum wage themselves will vote for them. So this is just more vote getting kind of stuff. Makes people feel good and it's a friendly message. Myth number four. Most minimum wage workers are teenagers making some extra money on the side. They don't need a wage increase. More rubbish. While this might have been the case in 1968, it certainly is not now. Today, only one in 10 workers who would benefit from a $15 minimum wage increase is a teenager. More than half of them are between the ages of 25 and 54. More than half of them work full time and over a quarter have children. Today's minimum wage hurts people who are in their prime earning years, preventing them from building wealth and establishing financial security. Raising the minimum wage would also help reduce racial and gender pay disparities. Minimum wage increases and expansions in the late 1960s reduced the income gap between black and white workers. Raising the wage would have a similar effect today because black workers, Hispanic workers, and women comprise a large portion of today's low-wage workers. In sum, raising the minimum wage is good for workers, good for businesses, and good for the economy. In addition to all this, raising the minimum wage is the morally correct thing to do. It ought to lift working people out of poverty, not keep them in it. We're the richest country in the world, home to the richest people on the planet. We can and we must treat our workers with the dignity and respect they deserve. That starts with paying them a living wage. Okay, so here he uses my point and he calls it rubbish that most of the people making the minimum wage are like teenagers or people just entering the workforce. And it's not rubbish. That's exactly who makes the minimum wage. It's only about 2% or less than 3% of all workers in the economy make the minimum wage. Now, he talks about, again, he pulls in 1968. And I just want to remind you that in 1968, our money, this is everything he's talking about can be improved if we had gold or silver as money again. Okay. It just, it just could, uh, none of this other stuff even matters. Any of these other arguments, gender pay disparities and racial disparities between pay. None of that, none of that is really happening. Okay. There's not, I mean, there might be some, but not in any kind of vast numbers. And it certainly doesn't have anything to do with the minimum wage. It all has to do with the, the undermining or the expansion of the monetary base or what people typically call money printing. And, um, and you know, again, you know, he makes it sound nice by saying, oh, we just need to, it's the moral thing to do. We need to raise the minimum wage. It, it doesn't have to, anything to do with that. It has to do with how much value can you create for consumers? Because you got to remember, when, when a consumer buys something, they're voluntarily taking their money out of their wallet and they're paying for it. So people that sell stuff in the economy, they know what that value is. They know, they know how much value they can extract from that consumer. And they have their costs. They, just, they have a spreadsheet. They add it all up. They know what they need to charge the consumer and they know what the consumer will pay. That's all that really matters. 
all that flows back to how much can I pay somebody based on what that what their job function is and how much value they bring to the enterprise. None of this other stuff matters. What your gender is, uh, what your uh, race is, uh, whether it's morally correct or not morally correct. I tell you what's not morally uh, responsible or just moral in general is undermining the value of the currency and forcing people to be poor. By his own words, he, he, he admits that in 1968, people were doing better at the minimum wage. Well, of course, we've printed trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars since 1968, and therein lies the problem. So, look, don't fall for the minimum wage story. You know, go back and look at how much, uh, how much the minimum wage is in 1964. It was a buck 25. Buck 25 is five quarters. Five quarters made with silver, like they were in 1964, was an ounce. Five quarters equals about an ounce of silver. An ounce of silver today sells for $23 uh, per ounce, meaning uh, if, you, if you just paid everybody an ounce of silver in 1964 like we did, and you paid everybody an ounce of silver per hour today, they would be able to buy $22, $23 per hour worth of goods and services in today's economy. So it's not about the minimum wage. It's about undermining your purchasing power by printing money.